for tuning in today. This is Aditi. I am back in Mumbai. Anna Malina, recording still from my room. And you're listening to Bitches Brew, a podcast where we chat about things you wish you could talk to your mom about. Today we talk about the vogue of mental health, influencers and the mental health trend. Mental health has never been a hotter topic or one that needed to be so urgently discussed. But just as anything that picks up traction, there's also the angle of fraudulent healers or influencers claiming to be therapists, co-opting the trend for their own or their brand's benefit. So today we've got a couple of really interesting people lined up. We've got a therapist with a focus on relationship counseling. We've got another mental health counselor who focuses on dance as a way of therapy. and we've also got a photographer who is extremely vocal about mental health on her social media platform and also is an influencer so yeah let's get into it and see what they have to say so everyone um our first guest today is madhav menon he's my junior from high school and i know for a fact that he's studying to be a therapist um and he had some really interesting insights into this conversation about the vogue of mental health right um uh, i am a psychotherapist i've been in this field now almost 4 years um and i focus more on long term sort of work to start off with what do you think about this whole vogue of mental health online and how influencers have sort of just taken over this conversation what what are your thoughts on that so i think this whole idea of mental health being a vogue online has been something that's been there for a long time uh but i think you know there's uh, the suicides the deaths of celebrities in recent years have uh, thrown it thrown more light into it i feel um however i i find that a lot of times on social media mental health is romanticized you know to the, to to the point of um sort of putting these individuals on a pedestal uh, uh viewing them as tortured artists brave souls and all of that and while uh, i think the intention for it may have started out uh, you know from a good place but what i've seen it evolve into right now uh Certain sections of it is sort of very worrying, I'd say. So everyone, we have Deepa. She is a dance movement therapist, a mental health clinician, and she also practices in Mumbai. Online therapy, right, Deepa? Yes, that's correct. So, what is uh, dance therapy? Can you like maybe elaborate a little bit on that? Sure. Thank you, Aditi, uh, for the intro. So dance movement therapy is a form of psychotherapy uh, that is used to address different mental health needs and concerns that people have. It is the idea of uh, using the mind and body interconnectedness, how our nervous system is responding to movement and uh, how body holds um, and responds to emotions, thoughts. It's all happening through the body. So when we leave. the body and movement out of mental health conversation i feel we're doing a huge disservice to mental health treatment models um it started off i think some 75 years ago it started as a response to war veteran trauma in the us and then it's gone on to become a profession there's formal training up to graduate level and there are licenses and it's now it's like an ethical practice in india it's really growing actually we just formed an association there's an association that's formed this year and more and more people are training in it so it's a form of psychotherapy people can use it for any of their challenges with mental health or just to even ensure well being you know i just had a revelation that i really need this in my life right now what <laughs> <laughs> of it yeah we've got roshni or rosh with us she is an activist she's a photographer amongst other things and uh, she's also an influencer and we wanted to talk to her about her views on what the mental health dialogue has been like online and the role perhaps she plays in it hi hi roshni thanks for joining us thank you for having me um so yeah to just sort of kick it off with Can you tell us a little bit about what you do and how that translates into your online presence? 
Yeah, I mean, I'm mainly a photographer. That's what I intended to do always. But I think hand in hand, I started doing a lot of activism because I strongly do a lot of body positive work. And then I just started doing activism regarding everything that I strongly believe in or like passionate about or just need support. Mm-hmm. So more or less, more of my work these days is activism related. And of course, there's uh, photography and fashion. But I think my activism is what I want to concentrate on. Right, right. Um, And can you elaborate a little bit more on the activism that you do? Yeah. Um, So mainly it started off with just body positivity through my photography. And I just did a few self-portraits and also with, uh, people and did a whole series on it but then it started translating mm. into other um, other areas as well like mental health or just the queer community and just everything that I strongly believe in and I think needs addressing um, so I do like mm. everything from maybe photography related uh, projects to just workshops and talks as well um, anything that can help you know I'm, I'm open to anything that could help the topic has there been what's the response been generally you know because you are in the public eye and you've opened yourself up to scrutiny what kind of responses do you end up getting it's more or less good um of course these days the internet is always um open to just bashing people so i do get a lot of random comments from people but it's less compared to what I would have expected because body positivity or mental health are still things that people don't understand fully. Also feminist related, you know, work. Um, there are a lot of people that get offended or just don't understand the topic itself. But mm-hmm. um, I have opened my space up for dialogue instead of attacks. So I do hope to um, talk to them more than just like, you know, getting offended or just like fighting with them. So it's it's more or less okay. I do get a lot of uh, random hate from people, but then, I mean, I can choose to ignore that. For me, one of the main things that stood out with this whole dialogue that was happening on social media, particularly through influencers, was this, was this whole culture of blame around mental health issues where you either blame the person's family or their immediate environment. And there was very little... On, like dialogue around resolving those issues between people with mental health and their family. You either had to walk on eggshells around them or avoid them completely. There's no dialogue about how to address these issues as somebody who lives with somebody with uh, mental health issues, right? So it's a very sort of aggressive culture of like, okay, I have anxiety and it's all your fault and you better not fuck with me. Uh, which to me is again problematic because you have to have a conversation with people on how to address this in a constructive manner for both of the individuals involved not just the people with mental health concerns and I feel like that conversation is not happening and I feel like for a lot of us what's in our immediate sort of consciousness is social media and the conversations happening on social media so you tend to sort of take that as gospel that this is how but it's also I feel like a matter of perspective because you know when you talk about seeing negative things online it's also the fact that the news cycle and newspapers thrive on this I was actually reading a book that said that if the news isn't bad then it's not serious news you know so to be cognizant of that where you feel like the world is crumbling or is it that all the media that I'm consuming is telling me that the world is crumbling Um, I also wanted to talk a little bit about like the very use of labels. Um, I'll tell you with an example. I was hanging out with a friend and we were on a cab ride to town when cab rides, like sharing cab rides with friends was like still a thing. And she was just like, you know, uh, I think I have BPD. No, she says, "I, I think I'm diagnosed with BPD or something like that. So I was like, oh, wow, that's, you know, that's tough. I'm sorry to hear that. Like, and then we started discussing it a little bit. And I'm like, so what therapist did, like, who did you go to? And she's like, no, I didn't go to anybody. I just researched on the internet and I know I have BPD, you know? And then suddenly I had to create some distance in terms of what she was saying and how I was interpreting what she was saying. 
right because and which is why i wanted to discuss like labels with you like i don't know too much about this but do you think that these words such as depression or anxiety or bpd or multiple personality whatever disorders are being like thrown around without enough sort of information on what they actually connote i do i do i do somewhat see that uh, in a lot of ways yeah. that, you know it's uh, where yeah there is a lot of i think yeah. again as i said with this romanticization there's also this sort of victimization i feel not to say that their experience is invalid or what they're going through is not difficult but i think certain amounts of the idea of personal responsibility sort of takes a back seat personal responsibility is in the idea that you know if you are uh, finding it difficult that there is it is you who has to go out and seek help you know nobody can uh, force you into therapy or force you into uh, go visit a psychiatrist or whatever uh, so part of it yeah i think certainly is with personal responsibility mental health conversation particularly in india is so limited um mm-hmm. like i hadn't even heard of this form of therapy because therapy has its own sort of connotations right it has its own yeah. list of sort of prerequisites or whatever like you go in with a certain preconceived notion at least i did and uh yeah. like i noticed this trend in india where it's it, it it isn't seen as something that has to do with overall well-being you know mm mm so, yeah, that would be interesting to explore yeah i think even now although it's been taking center stage therapy and mental health it's still looked at as a problem solving element rather than uh like a Uh, well-being or you know i'm going to i'm going to go to therapy for mental health maintenance and maybe i'll always have a therapist that i can go to if if something that goes beyond but that concept is still like okay if i have a problem then i'll go or if i'm going to therapy maybe i have a problem you yeah. know that mindset is still yeah it's prevalent that said about how if you're just going into therapy when you have a big problem you're just battling fire um and then mm. at that point it doesn't really allow you to like sort of delve deeper and go into perhaps certain like childhood patterns and things we sort of pick up when we're like babies and that sort of work can actually eventually prove quite beneficial if you're open to it you know yeah so it's it's i mean i completely agree with that sort of approach to mental health but i think what brings us here today on this episode is mm-hmm. seeing how this conversation of mental health even though it's happening very quickly got co-opted at least in the online space by influencers to starters and for another there is that slight like lack of credibility because um it's such a it's a, it's a big step when somebody decides to go into therapy right and mm-hmm. it's kind of like you know you're choosing to open yourself up to another person um there are a lot of people touting sort of holistic healing and i mean i shouldn't really like mm-hmm. demean it because i've actually indulged in it and some of it has worked for me and some of it hasn't but i do know that mm-hmm. as i try to maintain a certain amount of distance because there're definitely a lot of people out there who are trying to commodify it right Mm. so i just wanted to understand your sort of um <laughs> perspective on the whole thing as a practitioner yourself and as somebody mm. who now has to adapt to like pandemic and online lives and you know so so i think we all i mean it's common for me as a therapist and sometimes the people who are um, now becoming more and more um comfortable with the idea of going to therapy and recommending therapy for you know beloveds um it seeing all of that i feel like now more people are saying okay go to therapy yeah but what we don't discuss enough is how the process of getting started with therapy is quite is quite a ride it's quite an adventure especially in india i think yeah. because um therapy psychotherapy psychology is not regulated Yeah. Right. Like uh, we still don't have uh, government licensure. We have licensure for RCIs 
or for rehab um, rehabilitation counselors and the people who can get the license are still like maybe if you do an mphil or phd there's anyway nuances to it i won't get there but yeah. because of that lack of structured environment a lot of people who are well trained and you know have done their masters and are practicing and are in supervision and are doing ethical practice mm-hmm. have to find uh, have to put themselves out there sometimes maybe mm-hmm. as private practitioners or as part of groups yeah. to offer services yeah so i think because of that also you end up seeing a lot of um people coming out there and you know it's it's almost like not enough if you're meeting your client it's almost become necessary for you to do something outside if you have to uh, continue with your uh, business model or working model or to have to see clients mm-hmm. and similarly for clients you know even myself as a client when i have to seek a therapist there's all this information out there there are all these people now somehow on social media or if i google there are some things that come up but that whole process of finding yourself a therapist mm. and that turning out great for you is a difficult journey i think it's in that space i feel there is this room for what we are talking about as mental health uh, being vogue right mm. so th- that is the room in which before you actually maybe go for individual therapy let's say let's just assume that's the goal before you go there you still want to do something about your mental health you know you're feeling some way and you want to address and you or maybe you're curious about why 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 am i why do i have these patterns why do i show up like this in relations why does this hurt me more or whatever beliefs we have about ourselves they need a place to go they need maybe the seeking something or they're trying to find meaning and that's when i think on social media when no matter someone's credibility whatever they say they put there you're drawn to it Mm, right mm. as humans we are like yeah we're trying to make sense of the world we're drawn to it maybe we're trying to find hope maybe we're trying to find meaning but i feel like that's where the need comes from in some way uh, <laughs> i i just i wanted to also add on that you know one thing that i've noticed on social media and especially the comment section some of them uh i see this sort of kangaroo court that's just formed you know where the the audience acts as the judge jury and executioner where they straight up decide that one person is bad or just uh, uh using a really vile comments really vile things that they say and just shame these individuals for saying that hey this other side also exists um yeah i think that's something that i've noticed is some the yeah. happened it actually reminds me of like high school you know how like the mm-hmm. whole idea of cliques and tribalism really like comes to <laughs> fore in high school and then you enter the adult world which is then reflected in social media whether it's twitter instagram and one part is that it's so performative but the other part is like the algorithm in itself is designed in a way where you are your your very thoughts are echoed back to you there really isn't like that much space for like counter thought uh by way of what the algorithm is presenting to you but i actually wanted to discuss a little bit about because i've been in therapy for the last 2 years now and uh um i did start following a few accounts of therapists but mostly in the west not too many indian therapists on my instagram which would talk about say trauma bonds or attachment styles and these were things i was already covering in therapy so sometimes it would be a nice reminder to just be on your feed and come across like positive not positive like not toxic positive but messages of affirmation as opposed to that sort of depressed sad boy sad girl culture which is also very much a reflection of what society is going through but i realized that that kind of culture was actually inundating me very much um but i i did end up i mean i do end up thinking a lot about uh how much of over identification is actually at play there and if you're not actually informed and if you're just a layman and you don't have any professional experience in studying the field of psychology it can actually be a bit harmful because you're taking something as deep as say trauma bonding or like attachment styles and condensing it to like five bullet points right and then it's like those personality quizzes right and you're like oh wait i identify with this and this so does that mean 2 plus 2 is equal to whatever right so that's true in fact i can give an example uh, of that you know the word gaslighting i feel 
TikTok has become so widely used, it's so commonly used that oftentimes people have lost its meaning. Uh, in fact, nowadays I've seen individuals in conversation saying that a person disagreed with me, therefore they are dismissive of my reality. Or, you know, they're gaslighting me. That's not gaslighting. A person saying, no, that's not what happened, or no, I disagree with you, uh, is not the equivalent of gaslighting. They're talking about repeated, sustained dismissal of another person's uh, experience, you know, over time. Uh, which essentially makes that person question what is real and what is not. So things like that, yeah, certainly I think uh, there is a lot of disinformation, dilution of information. And I think uh, what you said earlier is that, yeah, we are constantly blasted with uh, information, you know. And a lot of it, unfortunately, is negative. Talking about the kind of conversations that are happening online regarding mental health, did you feel a change in it during the pandemic or did you feel that you had to play a slightly different role with the pandemic and how suddenly anxiety and depression took on an extremely real, and when I say real, I mean like just a lot more many people started talking about it and taking it very seriously. Um. Yeah, definitely during the pandemic because I myself was getting into these um, cycles of bad anxiety and, you know, just feeling more um, anxious than I used to. I felt I did want to address it more on my platform. But I think more recently with um, all all the people talking about um, this Sushant Singh's um, death has led to a lot of triggers and a lot of mental health coming into the forefront, which... Um, could be great but there's I think a lot of misconceptions that are flying all over social media and it's it's uh, it's triggering to almost everyone who has been through mental health anything you know so that's when I uh, thought I really need to address it more because it, it became very clear that people don't really understand the topic when that came front no one understands fully what it is and right now what's happening is is a clear um, indication that people don't take mental health seriously in our country or society. So I think that's where I realized we need to do, I need to do more regarding awareness. Yeah, yeah. And when you talk about uh, doing more, what does that exactly entail? What I realized was I think it's necessary to get professionals um, on board with me to talk about things, do a lot of live chats with mental health professionals or therapists or anyone who can throw facts and you know, people, I think, will respond better to a mental health professional giving them the same facts that I'm giving because they will believe this person more, you know. So I thought doing uh, more things regarding the subject with professionals involved, with NGOs involved that, you know, really do this daily would be more beneficial than just me doing it alone. In the same vein, in the same vein I just, I wanted to know your opinion as somebody who is someone who has a great deal of influence on the internet on these social media platforms how much onus can Hmm. someone like you really take when it comes to something like mental health issues like because I feel like a lot of the dialogue especially online is being sort of pushed by mental like by influencers mm. right a lot of them are calling themselves yeah mental health warriors and sort of just really taking on this mantle of being somebody who talks about mental health so ethically speak how yeah. much of that is okay yeah and is there a line that needs to be drawn I definitely think there needs to be a line drawn, uh, including for myself, because there it's it's about um, also being sensitive and responsible when you're addressing something like mental health. Because I might be talking about, say, anxiety all the time, but you know there are other mental health disorders and other illnesses that exist as well. Um, I need to be, I think, responsible in the way I'm addressing them and make sure people understand that 
if i'm sharing a post about my experience i'm not generalizing it this doesn't mean that everyone needs to go through this and every this is the only way etc which i think is not being there's no distinction because everything is becoming a generalized way mental health is either um shown on social media or it's like become like a trend to talk about it or it just becomes like you know they think it they think activism is just sharing your story or something like that but i think real awareness and i did a, i've done a video on it which i haven't yet shared actually i, I hope hopefully it's going to be out soon where i spoke to a mental health professional on how influencers can actually do this because there were a, there were a few problematic things that happened uh, in the last month or so where influencers and people with just a large following i don't even know if all of them can be called influencers but they basically addressed mental health very irresponsibly and it led to uh, it could lead to disastrous outcomes and i don't think anyone should take up that responsibility in the first place for themselves and also like risk you know your followers or whatever um having triggers and incidents because of what you're saying so um the 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 professional said that you know there's a way to address this responsibly either have you know professionals on board or just make sure that you're sharing your experiences in a way that people know that these are your experiences and then you draw a line and you don't generalize it you don't offer like therapy services or you don't offer like one on one advice don't give advice when someone is asking you something just give it like say i did this but you know recommend a therapist or something so i think there has to be more responsibility mm-hmm. taken um than just and addressing it uh, freely what do you f- about uh sort of the sort of romanticization to a large extent you know there is that because at the end of the day it's like an instagram grid so it's like how much can you really condense about such complex they are complex i don't want to call them conditions but concerns and yeah. a layman can only understand so much like let me illustrate with an example yeah. like say i see a post about trauma bonds and it's been condensed into like four bullet points right and i'm like okay is this thing i am indulging in because usually yeah. the yeah. topics are so sort of the the pointers are so general that you just find yourself identifying with things so what are your thoughts about that sort of romanticizing of yes. something that is a medical condition that is something that you know requires professional help let me take a few steps back here i feel so the content that's out there from that pool we are talking about the yeah. content that comes from say influencers who have uh, empathy for mental health um or is is often somehow related to hope building right and when it stays or when or it's like storytelling you know they're sharing personal anecdotes that serves the purpose of relatability and dest- and destigmatizing mental health as a concept and building hope for someone who is um who is beginning to get acquainted with their own mental health needs and goals yeah now when those influencers sometimes tend to um use psychoeducation as a model without credibility that is one layer of problem okay similarly when a therapist or a psychiatrist or whoever has their credentials in place um also does the same thing where they are sharing content that is psychoeducational part of it can be helpful and part of it can not be helpful um and i think it's i would categorize it as unhelpful if it is simplification to the point of uh, i think using prescriptive lists uh mm-hmm. simplifying it to the point of labeling right you and um making claims or f- presenting without context using um possibilities as facts um all these like i'm just trying to give examples of how something becomes unhelpful because then when i'm reading it i'm thinking yeah. oh maybe this is the ultimate truth oh maybe this is me so that becomes a problem and i think some things you were naming is essentially the problem with even diagnosis and labeling right the mm-hmm. the the came into place so that maybe therapists and all begin to uh, gain a language understand what's happening as symptoms and know the direction of treatment but it can help someone to belong to a community with a diagnosis at the same time it can also impact someone's identity when their identity is enmeshed with the diagnosis itself Mm. so uh, yeah so similarly i think um 
with with these prescriptive or uh, anything that's coming out there as a fact without context on mental health it can instead of serving the purpose of you know i want to belong and relate and destigmatize mental health it becomes let me use social media mental health information as therapy so when i think it replaces therapy or let me just say seeking help seeking professional help right so when it mm. when social media mm. mental health posts replace going to a professional in your own life if that is your only source of mental health information i think you there is room to reevaluate that uh that that aspect of your life yeah 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 mm-hmm. oh my god i fully get what you're saying because literally there have been so many times where and this doesn't relate to sort of conventional psychotherapy but like i would just log on and take like a chakra test online and decide for myself that oh these chakras need opening so i'm going to bring this up in my next therapy session and my therapist is just like I mean of course she won't roll her eyes mm-hmm. but I can imagine her just being like my god like <laughs> have all our sessions been for nothing so yeah <laughs> it's kind of like you know how you have a headache and you google and it's basically cancer but it's interesting because you're saying that the onus lies to a large extent with the person actually receiving the information mm. well to a point but i mean that's only because we can't regulate at this point everyone that's putting the information out yeah like we can through social media trials and things like that Yeah. but i think what we what is the safest starting point is if you identify if you're listening to this podcast and identifying yourself as someone who is um reliant on social media for your mental health information uh so one thing to do is to ensure if it is uh, say clinical information that it's coming from a source that have uh, the right kind of training credentials and are practicing ethically two is um anything that you see not to take it as a fact to take it as a possibility and that given your own life context like you're so each of us are so uniquely amazing like we're so there's so much nuance to each of our life that we it it would be wrong to fit ourselves into boxes or uh facts and labels i think that takes away the human experience so to consider the possibility that even if i'm resonating with this there could be more to me and there is a space out there in the form of uh, uh self reflection or external reflection with some professional where mm-hmm. i can get into the nuance and appreciate the nuance social media has opened up a wide world of information which i think we struggle to sort of process um and that added to all of the rest of the you know issues happening in the background it just adds to a, a really difficult a very dysfunctional space if you are in therapy and are seeking information through social media i think it's a great place you can take some of the things you see here into therapy um i know a friend of mine actually rahat uh, was yeah. bringing up how she recommends that to her clients you know if you see something on social media bring it up bring yeah. it here and we can work with you know that yeah as therapists you know i i think i also want to speak for people who are putting content out there yeah. to um what happens is i think even i kind of am figuring it out sometimes i put stuff up and sometimes i don't maybe i operate from this sense of okay um sometimes there's a sometimes you really want to say something because you see it happen so commonly and sometimes it's just out of pressure right you put things out and i try to keep it as authentic to myself and my experience as possible yeah uh so one way we try to do so is putting uh, captions like giving the context in captions mm-hmm. and somebody who's scrolling may not take the time to sit and read the captions right like our yeah. attention spans are so low mm-hmm. so uh so for people who are putting it out there is i mean it's it's almost impossible to simplify these things into one or two words and sentences and to still have an impact but if you're doing that uh like just to think about accessibility to think about context to give to give warnings of uh, content or trigger warnings wherever necessary and for people who are consuming the information to only consume information in full capacity like if you're seeing a post and if you're jumping into conclusions ensure you've also read the caption and maybe sometimes the comments what if somebody is challenging the post right yeah, yeah. so to consume it in- like for me one trend that i've noticed that exists online particularly when it comes to mental health is that it kind of exists uh, on a very sort of binary plane um there's a lot of context of sort of there's a lot of connotations of good and evil when it comes to mental health online uh mm. where you have people who sort of abet 
um, aid and abet a certain mental health condition versus people who suffer from it, you know? And I feel like it kind of creates this environment around mental health where uh, you have to kind of walk on eggshells a lot, especially around people who have now suddenly identified as having some condition that they have seen online mm. and then they start using certain words with you so it, be it becomes a, a very difficult thing to navigate because it's far more nuanced than what you see online but because of how sort of binary it's oversimplified and for young people especially that's something that they will gobble up right yeah. it's something that's easy to identify with so, I mean, how do you address the nuances of mental health online? Yeah, and um, I, I'm really glad you brought it up because I think there, there are a lot of accounts which are highlighting the fact that uh, no, life, life is beyond boundary, binaries, right? Like life and every, our identities are beyond binaries, our mental health concerns are beyond binaries, our, uh, the healthy aspect is also not just good health, bad health. Mm. Um, yeah. There's, yeah, I think it's oversimplifying. It's almost like if you're thinking in binaries, uh, it's a good time to challenge ourselves. Mm. Uh, yeah, I'll just, and it's, maybe it happens, maybe people name it in binaries because sometimes a lot of content, um, again, it depends on people's training. Sometimes in your training, when wherever you've studied, whatever you've studied, if if you've been taught more traditional textbooks from some 50, 60 years ago, written content without context to where we are now. Easy to sound like a textbook where you're saying, Acha, if this is, this is happening with you, you have that. And yeah, there is a very aggressive sort of pushback against uh, um, when people talk about you know, how frustrating it is to live with, with uh, individuals with dealing with mental health issues. And yeah, the conversation around the the, the the caregivers, the caretakers, I think, yeah, that's definitely something that we need. It's also interesting because, you know, that's the thing, like the kind of conversation you can have with somebody about these things in person will really mm -hmm. not compare to the kind of content we consume over media or, you know, like, that's what I'm saying because everything you said right now in itself is quite nuanced and it's a whole, like you sort of explained it to us in a way where we would understand it. But I, I do agree with you to an extent that it's nice to see this conversation coming up to an extent on social media. But I think as with anything that gains traction, it does get co-opted by people who perhaps don't have the best intentions and want to commodify it. I think that's sort of the backlash of anything, not just mental health. That's more of a question regarding certain like socio-economic and sort of larger factors so i think social media has been monetizing pain for a very very long time you know in fact this whole i mean just to segue a little bit this whole crystal fad has now become a dangerous environmentally hazardous industry because of how much crystals have taken off as a health fad thanks to social media influencers so i would very directly blame them for that um when it comes to alternative healing, I mean, you believe in what you want to believe, that's fine. I don't think that anybody should ever espouse it as something that is a foolproof cure for anything. And that's usually how it's presented, like, oh, allopathy is dangerous for you. Pills can kill you. Pills can actually make your depression worse. You should use alternative therapy. Like, that is how it's presented to the world. And a lot of people believe it. Like, even now, like, that link I sent to Alina, you remember, like, this whole um, uh, this dialogue around what's happened in Bollywood and how the depression was brought on by the pills that he was taking. Like, nobody is willing to accept even remotely, the fact that this is a person who had mental health concerns. Now, I don't know about all of the other like stuff that's happening around this case, but the one thing I do know is that it has now become a universal fact in, in this conversation that people are refusing to accept that this person on their own, despite their success, could have had a mental health problem that was exacerbated by various things around him. But he did have a problem. That's something that we refuse to accept. And that's something that is constantly being promoted on social media. That, okay, this can be 
an issue that you suffer from, a disease that you have. And yes, it's exacerbated by environmental uh, factors, but you cannot necessarily blame people around you for this. And that, for me, that is a huge concern. Yeah, I think that's the main problem. That's where even I get most of my triggers, you know, because there are there are posts like this all over the internet and I don't want to uh, add to these posts because an Instagram caption, like you said, firstly stops after a point. It's not like you can even type more than a few amount of characters. But after that, like, how much can I say through one post? You know, I can't really... Ex- Explain things to people who don't understand, say, what even anxiety is. Um, and there's only so much you can do through an Instagram post. So, which is why I want to take it up uh, a, a step further with like maybe videos or podcasts or something where someone who really doesn't understand something like this can come listen. And it's like really simply uh, simplified where you can, you know, understand. But I think the problem with Instagram, like you said, is there's too much romanticizing of mental health issues and illnesses and it's becoming more like a, okay, so yeah, you have anxiety, I have anxiety, everyone has anxiety, let's just sit and talk about it. But I mean, we need to also see how it's um, like triggering others and how it's coming. I agree. I mean, for me, more than just plugging in a product or whatever, for me, the biggest issue is when somebody's personal experience is seen as something that speaks for the community as a whole. Um, I think it's very, very important to emphasize on the fact that this is a very sort of individualized experience, right? Different people experience these things in different ways and that you need to sort of bring in, even if you come across somebody who is extremely ignorant, when it comes to mental health and refuses to accept it as something that is a health concern, you can have a conversation with them. You can engage with them in a way that is non-aggressive, that is non-confrontational and see growth in them. And I feel like that is something that doesn't happen. And I know I'm harping on this a lot, but for me, that is how this whole social media culture around mental health is most detrimental in that it becomes very sort of cancel culture where you call people out online because they might have sent you a DM about something or whatever. And that to me, you do it when it comes to certain things like sexual harassment or whatever, I understand. By all means, call people out online. But when it comes to somebody disagreeing with your opinion and you do that to them on a public forum, it's bullying, right? And I personally have an issue with that. Like, I feel like you can address this with that person on a person-to-person level and say, okay, see, this is where I'm coming from and this is what I know about it. And I urge you to do more research and I urge you to open your mind about this. And if they refuse, then, okay, you disengage. But then calling somebody out like that on a public forum doesn't necessarily further that conversation with that person. It doesn't necessarily open their mind up you know, you're no, I just feel like you're engaging in slightly bullying tactics wherein you're putting it online on a public forum and then it's like a free for all, you know. Yeah, yeah. And uh, speaking of uh, sort of, you know, earlier you'd mentioned sort of holistic healing and alternative healing. Um, so, for example, I personally have played around with Reiki and NLP, which is Neuro Linguistics Programming and like EFT and things like that. Although I do understand that NLP and EFT is more like uh, psychotherapy oriented as opposed to crystals, for example, but uh, and a fair bit of like mindfulness or meditation. So, I mean, of course, uh, you know, I, I wanted to know because even with sort of allopathic science right it's not exactly like medicine for example it's not exactly a exact science and neither is psychoanalysis or psychotherapy so on on your personal perspective on alternative healing that's i think that's something i wanted to know more about um so my personal perspective to alternative healing is that uh i think it does work uh, for certain individuals, 
Yeah. Um, you know, especially if uh, I'm not that I, I know a lot of alternative practices, but I'll give you a simple example of in therapy. If I have somebody who's very religious or very spiritual and, you know, goes by the Bible or the Veda or whatever, mm. engaging them through that process can be really, really helpful. Mm. Um, you know, because uh, uh, it can bring that sense of healing for them. Because at the end of the day, uh, that's what that's what they choose to make meaning of in their life. Mm. Mm. Uh, in that way, it can be really helpful. Um, but I do think that you know meditation, Reiki, uh, uh, NLP, hypnotherapy, things like that can be helpful. I have heard of cases where uh, it has been it's helped with curing addiction, it's helped with uh, dealing with past trauma, mm. uh, sexual abuse, and things like that. Mm. Um, however, the only concern is that. Uh, the legitimacy of these practices. Mm, mm. I think in India that's a big problem mm. because you know we have so many godmen, so many spiritual faith healers, so many individuals claiming that their uh, uh, food or their product will cure them. You know? mm. For example, Patanjali recently saying that they will make their noodles or their some product will cure COVID, mm. things like that. And I think even social media. With influencers, uh, I've seen them, you know, uh, selling really frivolous products, saying that they will they will heal you like this, they will heal you like that. Mm. Um, you know, things like even for example, as you said, crystals and all of that stuff. It's one thing for you to say that I believe in them, and you know, they help me versus selling them for profit. I'm not going to say if I if if they work or they don't work. That's not what I'm going to say. But it's like I've known I know people who have benefited from alternate healing. I know people who have not. Um, uh, so it really is a very individual experience. But mm. I think mm. it is a um, and and that's true for everything actually. Like even with therapy, even with medicine, actually, there's enough research showing. That placebo effect has a big impact on uh, outcome of treatment. Mm. So what we mean by that is, if you believe in something, the chances of you improving, and if you believe in something and it also has some science that supports you to be, to improve in some aspect or to make change, uh, there's an increased chance that you will make that change. But if you are fighting it and if you don't believe in it, if you're doubtful about it, uh, then the likelihood might uh, be lesser. Yeah. Okay, that's like simple, simplified research. I think that's how like a lot of uh, even I would explain religious miracles that people experience mm-hmm. or uh, so all these things have to do with placebo effects. So I don't think I really think it's amazing what placebo can do because it keep, brings back the power onto you. If you believe in it, it will work for you. Um, also, just I wanted to say, you know, to comment that uh, we had made before talking about how influencers they said that their experience is the only thing that matters i think yeah that that is very true in fact the diff the how i differentiate between somebody who's genuine and somebody who's uh you know who's sort of trying to sell themselves is that when they talk about their experience or when they talk about experience i find that the individuals who are genuine usually talk about it from their perspective saying that this is what i went through this is what happened to me and this is how I felt. And in an, it's more of an effort for them to say that, okay, this is what I went through. I hope it is helpful for you guys because some of you may, might find some commonalities from it and you know, know that you're not the only one struggling with this or maybe you're not alone. Whereas with the social media influencers, it's usually it's just like, you know, take this and you will be, you know, I've been depressed for six years. I took this and I was fine. You guys take this, you will be fine. Um... That's how I see it usually uh, pans out. Um, and I think that's a very important point to remember. With influencers or co-opting experience as well, there's a conversation about boundaries, which I think uh, is also very closely related to mental health because boundaries do play a large, large role. And I think, you know, our generation and perhaps the, the you know the coming future generation as well. I think we struggle spectacularly with boundaries. 
uh, with saying no, with saying taking time out for ourselves, you know, something as simple as saying that you know I'm going to take this day off and I'm going to do nothing. I'm just going to sit in my bed and do nothing. The amount of guilt, the amount of stress, the amount of uh, shame it really brings on uh, is is fascinating and horrifying to to see. So I think boundaries on social media is just so warped and so disfigured and dysfunctional that it's uh, it's 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 very difficult to make out what is right and what is wrong almost because it's just so all over the place. And other thing is, I would like to explain this alternate and uh, non or like general. Uh, medical options or etc as mm-hmm. i think there is a cultural colonial influence here yeah, yeah. if yeah. you look at i think by nature of colonialism we are just pre-wired culturally to prefer uh, maybe maybe to prefer science over energy healing science over art right yeah. the whole within indian culture right when we look up to a doctor so much but maybe not to an artist or a farmer we are saying there's something we are we're putting the doctor on a pedestal Yeah, I mean that's, and, that's actually amazing. I never looked at it that way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and because I see it even in the psychology field, there's something about the word clinical that makes it more serious for people. Mm, yeah. And I see it as a product of colonialism, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Wow. I'm just. I'm sorry. Moment. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, wait, what? I never looked at it this way. <laughs> Yeah, 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 and Indians particularly have this thing with intellectualization of things. Like we, we have this whole uh, what do you say impression of a child. You think Indians are smart? I don't know. I'm just reaching here, but sorry. Do you think it's a class thing to sort of differentiate between classes yeah. that need to like intellectualize? Right. Yeah. I think absolutely. Yeah, maybe right, and I didn't think of it as yeah, because very few people have access now. It's hopefully changing, but it was to maybe even maintain those social structures. Right, right. The right. differences, yeah. I do feel um, again, like I think the way I would go about it is, I would recommend alternate practices. Let's name these alternate practices. What do we mean? Uh, as you said, dance therapy does sometimes people see it as alternate, although it's rooted in the more psychology practices. Mm. um i think one thing that's important for for me to name is every therapist no matter their training will have a lens with which they are practicing so it's important to ask you what is your lens what are your ethical values etc because there are uh, that kind of tells you what will happen in the session right yeah. because it's about belief system for me also does right. it actually work is i think a question beyond me So I mean, the very fact that we're even talking about all of this, you realize that how layered and how com- complicated, complex—that's the better word—the whole system is. Which is why I think seeing the fad coming online and being co-opted by influencers is actually quite like sad, you know, because you know there are people, including me, where in my moments of like loneliness or desperation. I've probably like ordered that I don't know sage oil from Amazon because I'm like oh I need to clear out the energy in my room. So if anything, at the end of the day, it's also a big capitalist trope, and it also makes me think a bit about like the idea of community. You know, okay, now the pandemic has of course made online communities necessary, and that's great. But if we were to look at life pre-pandemic, um, the idea of community. was literally something you were paying for for example as a freelancer you would sign up to work at a co-working space like we work right where you could be around other people working or you would um go for a gig with other people and like actually pay for that experience or like and when i say gig i don't mean like at a club i mean like you know like a sofa sounds experience intimate sort of a setting which i fa- actually in retrospect uh find a little dystopic to be honest like on one hand yes it is a good way to connect with people but then i think of how it translates to like online communities and that's when i realize that even influencers who are trying to co-opt certain trends rely on the power of the community they've built for themselves you know and which then makes me think of like if 
our lives weren't actually this lonely if we weren't constantly just turning to social media for any kind of validation whether it's dating to putting out your creative work to literally anything what would that other model of existence be like again instagram has an algorithm which fucks with everyone you know so with if you don't like if you don't post often or if you don't like if i take a break from instagram i come back and my engagement is shit while i'm okay with that other like you know for someone else who depends on say instagram engagement for whatever whether it's like monetary um benefits or just general validation or whatever like an a presence it's uh, it becomes stressful because if you're going to the algorithm really fucks with um everyone you know it doesn't matter how many followers you have or even if you have like 500k followers you might just get like really less engagement and then it affects like you know everything so i think that's why many profiles put up what the audience expects rather than what they really want to and that's why there's a disconnect between the person and them because then when you meet them you're like oh my god this is not how you come across on instagram but i think they're doing it because like you know it's it's quite stressful when i speak to my other like fashion blogger friends and stuff they really get stressed when they don't get engagement cuz like brands depend on it and then they depend on it they also um, of, of course like when you're on a platform like instagram somewhat you do like look for validation from there also and then when you don't get it you're just suddenly like is my worth uh, is my work not good or like am i not doing it right etc so they end up doing what i think the audience wants and um it's it's i think again because of how the app works before there was the app was much better now everything is paid unless you pay and promote something your work is not going to be seen as much um even if you end up being like unless you're like a super famous like bollywood celebrity or something and i mean that's the thing right because one can easily debate like the ethics of such companies like instagram facebook and we all know where the ethics of those companies lie which is just profit making it does make you think that as an individual because you are in the public eye there is a certain level of personal responsibility that you have to exercise and i don't see too many influencers talking about it publicly you know like it could be really nice if in the community and if if the idea of calling somebody out was prevalent without it immediately running into say cancel culture or immediately there being like a, a sort of a backlash that oh if it's two women for example and like oh she's not a feminist or she doesn't want to support other women like i feel like it doesn't have to be either or you know you can still support someone who work but call them out when more they are doing something unethical um so do you think you've been in that position where you've had to consider um you know perhaps talking to another influencer or like how would you approach it for example if you had to see the, that's what i believe i don't believe in cancel culture of course because i think that's extremely toxic and everyone deserves to have a second chance or how many ever chances to better themselves that's unfair to just say just because you did something you don't deserve whatever you're doing but um i usually i do believe in calling people out because that's the only way someone is going to learn that they're doing something wrong but there's also a right and wrong way of doing it you don't have to get nasty you don't have to get you don't have to attack them you know there's a there's a decent way of doing it you can um if you know them personally of course please like message them and stuff but even just calling out people on the internet can be done in a nicer way um i do call out people that i think are doing some fucked up shit but i don't i don't attack them ever because that's not that's unfair to do because i could get the same thing tomorrow and i know how that's going to affect me i do think mindfulness is a big part of sort of being self aware and i think that being self aware plays a huge role in addressing whatever mental health issues you might have i think that again goes back to whatever personal responsibility you might have and of course the extent to which you suffer um the nature of what you're suffering from but to a large extent you have to be self aware and you have to sort of be on the path to self awareness if you have to address any sort of mental health concern and self awareness is again largely marred by what you're exposed to online and who you're interacting with because your self concept is so influenced by 
you know, whatever online influences you might have, the people that you might follow or just how available you have to make yourself. And I think now more than ever, our self-concepts are so sort of externalized and so based on how you're perceived by other people that mindfulness is, it's a difficult thing to reconcile with. So I think in therapy in particular, it's something that needs to be addressed and that that's kind of the path that you should head down because, yeah, I think more than anything, our generation really struggles with self-awareness. But I want to bring up one very quick point yeah. and then I'm going to promise. Um, <laughs> so with this whole Sushant Singh Raj, I have to bring it up. With this yeah. whole Sushant mm-hmm. Singh Rajput thing that's happening, um, yeah. The one trend I noticed, particularly in the media and with the public, even people that are very close to me who themselves have suffered mental illnesses, are in complete denial that a seemingly healthy, successful man could be pushed to suicide because of a mental health concern. All of them so deeply want to believe in this controversy, in some kind of conspiracy, you know? Mm. And I found that had a lot to do with this general denial of mental health concerns being legitimate, you know, Mm. and it's a very sort of Indian thing to say it's not a real problem. Someone must have done it to you. So this whole Sushant Singh Rajput case, right, it's seen the ugly side of, I think, so many um, social situations, mental health, gender, uh, journalism, uh, legal systems, uh, public uh, media consumption, just so much. Everything's gone, I think, out of proportion to another level. Really. And it's causing, yeah, and right from the get-go, it somehow had an impact on a lot of people. I think at this point, if anything, it's caused more mental health damage to people <laughs> than support this whole fight for uh justice the the way in which this whole mental health conversation took off and how a lot of people jumped on it and then used it to sort of propel themselves forward and you know um a lot of it felt very matlabi a lot of it felt disingenuous and i think that's why i got so angry with it and i think that's why it annoyed me so much because in part it felt like um my condition or my state of being was essentially trivialized because it's like when somebody comes to you with a problem and you say, but everybody has that problem. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for me to a large extent, I think it's more about questioning the construct of portals like Instagram and Twitter and the idea of marketing on Instagram and Twitter through brand tie-ups, etc. Uh, that's more problematic than outright influencer culture because that is actually what is financially enabling that sort of culture to exist. And, you know, since time immemorial, we've had advertising and brands co-opt larger causes. And sometimes it's for the good and sometimes it actually does the work. It should be your, you know, good work. But... Most of the other time, it's really just to sell yet another thing. And I guess it becomes a little more insidious when it's targeted at slightly more vulnerable groups, which is people who are suffering from certain mental health conditions, obviously compounded by the pandemic. So it's definitely the idea being that whatever you consume online, uh, I think would definitely we would benefit if we took it with a massive pinch of salt. I think the more I sort of spend my time online and as more interactions and pretty much everything is moving online, I am finding myself like in that sort of zone, you know. But I wouldn't just take things at this value because I know that it's paid for in one form or the other. <laughs> right? So, Yeah. I find that because the internet is such an anonymous place, even you put up very personal stories or whatever, there's a sense of distance that it creates from you. And 
that's not a real distance because there is this kind of blending with your virtual persona and who you really are and so when somebody attacks you online when somebody calls you out online when somebody comes after you um it's a very very personal attack and it's very scary and people tend to lose sight of that you know because they think it's anonymous space and they can put whatever the fuck they want out there but there are consequences to what you do on the internet and there are consequences to how you behave on the internet and i think that's important to note 